prostitutes that he was pulling up into his apartment occasionally. <laughs> that was awesome. And so that? his wife had to be like, no, 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 they're auditioning for a movie for Rodney, and they're not real prostitutes. And he goes, to this day, you know, I still get bad looks. Of course, he's passed away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kind of Funny Morning Show uh, for Tuesday, March 20th. We are knee-deep in GDC week, and thankfully for that, uh, we've been able to pull our very, very special guest today. Uh, dear friend of mine, creator of Oddworld, and creator of many weird conversations I've had while drunk at E3, Mr. Lauren Lanning is here. Yay! Great to be here. Thank Thanks for coming for back, man. I appreciate it. Are Every you time kidding? you come back, I think maybe he really does like us. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're actually cool people, uh, and we appreciate that. We were just talking about uh, Rodney Dangerfield. I just recently uh, read his biography, which is my touchstone for Rodney. Uh, Lauren actually just lived next door to the guy. Like, across, across the street. And it was easy to see because he used to have one of those cut-up, life-size dolls that went in the window. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, one of the, he's one of those trippy guys that you, you think of. You're like, oh, he's ubiquitous, right? He is mm -hmm. comedy. He is a guy that has been around forever, but he wasn't. He actually didn't start comedy until 40. Well, he started earlier and then came back to it at 40. He used to sell aluminum siding for a very long time. I bet he was great at it. He was very good at it. He <laughs> talked He talked a lot about he and his friends would like, they do like, they loved it because you didn't have to get up early in the morning to do it, which is such, it's the most comic fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. If you know anything about stand-up comics, they do not like getting up in the morning. In fact, I'm like right. an early bird. I'm always right. late here. Greg, I'll tell you. But Stop like, doing that. When I walk in the room, you just make eye contact and start talking to it's me. It's the beard. That's the problem. It sucks you in, right? What it's, do you think about this? It's like the visual black hole. Give me, it, give me a read on this. your eyes. Give me a read on this. I think this. it needs to be about this long. That's what I'm talking and, about. You, know, you were the one telling me that I was getting... I had no, I want you to shape it this way so it comes to like a pharaoh's like... Ooh. Points, you know. Sure, okay. You look cool on stage. Yeah, yeah. I played Lauren's play play? new game. It's, not gonna be, it's really good. <laughs> so, I'm not sure. I, play it, I guess I just watched it, but he I was watching watch a lot of gameplay. But it's really good. Yeah, here's the deal. Cool, you the know, shot looks. So, now be careful. You don't understand embargoes. This is what I'm going to say. <laughs> this uh, shot looks a, t a touch bright, but you let me know what it looks like. Um, I won't say anything about it because I am always the person. I do that thing where you say, "Don't talk about monkeys," and I'll go, "Okay." And then you talk what about do you think about monkeys? <laughs> like that's the first thing I'll do. So I say it away. I'm not saying anything about it. Greg, what are you allowed to say about the game? Aces. There we go. Okay. For audio so listeners, far, Greg gave a thumbs up. Thank you. He gave a big smile. The beard moved. You know it's a big smile. And that's where we're at. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today's episode of the Kind of Funny Morning Show, of course, is brought to you by our store, where you can get the shirt that I'm wearing right now, the KF Game shirt. It looks fantastic. We've got a couple other shirts over there. Go check it out. Uh, of course, we're also doing the MCU in Review, which I'm sure is a series that you have zero interest in, as it is the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Review. We are we are going back and re-watching every single one of those movies. <laughs> And reviewing okay, them. Okay. Do you want it? You want in on this? No, you want to watch 19 movies with us about guys imagine. and tights? I can't imagine. It would be terrible. You know, it's like I never got. I never got. I mean, I'm a huge. Like I, I adore Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. I adore a lot of the creations. I, I'm, I'm envious of what Marvel pulled off. But the idea that someone's going to show up and kick your ass with tights on, yeah, it just never resonated right for me. You it's, know, it's interesting. I lived in New York. I worked in the Bronx. I worked in Brooklyn. You know, been in a lot. You never of saw a bunch of guys getting fights. Was in, in the L.A. riots. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah. But the guys, no one ever showed up in tights. It was like, all right, I'm kicking everyone's ass. I mean, I just imagine like a massive outpouring of comedic laughter. It is one of those things where you start to think to yourself, like. 
from a, from a logical standpoint. Like, obviously, the movies, I love all these movies. So we're diametrically yeah. opposed on that. But, <laughs> but one of the things that you think about is that you, you start looking at some of these costumes, specifically, like, Batman's costume. Yeah. Right? And I looked at it. I, I just recently went, bought, went and went back and watched Justice League with my wife. She I had thought you were going to say you bought a costume. Bat, Batman. No, I'm not quite no. at that point yet sure? no in my price. life. I mean, I would. <laughs> Actually, that's not true at all. I do own a Batman costume. Oh, my God. Damn it. Well, okay. it was for Halloween. Okay. I went as, I went as Batman. My friend went as Robin, and he was, like, five times taller than me, so it was hilarious. Um, but you look at these costumes, and there's a shot in Justice League where he looks over and the costume's there, but it's the, like it's standing on its own two feet because it's yeah. so stiff, and you're like, yeah. how would anyone be able to move in this thing? Yeah. You can't fight in this thing. Yeah. In Iron Man's you can't wrestle really this easy, thing. Right? Well, Iron Man is hilarious, but I, that one is a little more believable to me because at least it's a mechanical suit. Right. But what right. are you going to do? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to see our opinions on Age of Ultron and where that ranks in our grand DC, uh, excuse me, uh, Mar- MCU ranking, go over to kindoffunny.com right now. Check that out. If you're listening on podcast services, of course, uh, we also have that available to you. So if you're at the gym right now and you think to yourself, I'd rather not listen to, you know, Bobby Tarantino 2 or any new cool albums. I want to listen to Nick Wax Poetic about where Age of Ultron uh, should fit. There you go. It's there for you. Uh, of course, we have lots of really fun special guests this week on all of our shows. Um, if you go over here, yeah, you can see. Today we got Danny O'Dwyer coming back from No Club. He's coming back from wherever the hell he was. He was on the East Coast. Maybe he was in Ireland. Who the hell knows? He's coming back to do kind of funny games daily today. Uh, I'm assuming you got lots of fun stuff to do this oh. week as well. Is it oh, going to be thrilling? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> what At least is... it's not E3. That's <laughs> that's not like, saying much. Like I, I walk out and then I pass out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What what is what is GDC like for you? Is it just a nonstop like let's get out there, let's <sighs> let's network, let's let's talk to people, business meeting, business meeting, business meeting, well, yeah, greasing but... palms at cool restaurants when you walk in and Shuhei Yoshida's there and you're like, we got to grease the palms, we get a good table. Yeah, you pay off, you know. Yeah, just everyone's <laughs> getting paid. No, it's, it's like E3 is the, I mean, uh, GDC is the conference where everyone doesn't show up to a meeting and they go, hey, it was GDC, man. Right. Which is like everyone shows up to party and then they try to book meetings and yeah. then no one shows up. That's I mean, great. that's like huge, right? That's beautiful. Whereas like E3, you don't show up. That's that's like really that's an offensive. Insult. But everyone's like, hey, man, we were smoking dope in the room. And like, you get it. We were, we were too high to go to the meeting. I'll tell you what, they're uh, The term smoking dope sounds so much more serious than it is. <laughs> I know. It's, it's I know. all legal, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we want you to know Marijuana, it's legal in California. Not, not uh, Very legal in California, not, much not to the happiness stuff. of uh, all the comics that I hang out with on a nightly basis. Let's see what else we got here for housekeeping. Last little thing. The kind of funny world championship party mode will be going live tomorrow this is one of the best ones we've ever done it's over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games we did a bracketed tournament to see you saw the belt earlier today. yeah it looked good it's a great looking belt it looked great I'll tell you one thing right now i've had that belt i've been the champ it feels even really? better when you're wearing it does it really and if i get it again this wednesday i will be wearing it on this show for the rest of my life until someone dethrones me Oof. yeah so i'm just putting that out there who made that for you uh you know i don't know tim reached out to a couple people, and we ordered it. It was special order. It was actually a really expensive belt. Yeah, but we right. did it. We had it made specifically for uh, Kind of Funny Live Three because we did a big tournament there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a legit belt though. Like it we've looks, had, we've it had like it. Xavier Woods from WWE comes and he's like, no, this is like a this is a good belt. They did, it's hefty. It's yeah. got a weight to it. Because you know, yeah. most of the time you put them on, it feels like a toy. Yeah. You like want it to feel like you earned it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to put the you don't want to put the bargain Batman. And you can carry it around on the show. Yeah, the that's what I do. If you look at my PSN uh, <laughs> icon right now, I have it slung on my shoulder. Like hip hop gamer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> exactly. That's what I like to do. Uh, all right. 
Uh, quick reminder, if you want to ask Lauren anything or if you want to give us a tip, you guys can tip. We'll read tips at the $5 or above level or as well as 500 bits. So you get to, you can get a question there, guaranteed an answer, or at least we'll read it. If it's a weird question, I will veto it. Uh, of course, uh, if you guys are subscribers, you get a little extra time with us at the end of the show to ask us some questions as well. So make sure to use your Amazon Prime account to link to your Twitch Prime account. Give it to someone. I gave mine to Jay Jamrod last, last night. Uh, but Teddy, you might be next. Just letting you know that. All right. I'm, I'm dying to hear your opinion on Justice League, so let's just jump right into this first news story. This comes, this comes from io9. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I love the headline. Yeah, Justice League is officially the lowest grossing DC uh, Universe movie. Uh, last week, the story reads, Justice League quietly ended its domestic box office run. This is domestic, by the way. This is just United States. Uh, with a total gross of a little over $229 million, making it the lowest grossing film in the new DC Universe. It's a hugely surprising fact, considering Zack Snyder's directed film featuring Batman, Superman, yada, yada, yada. It was supposed to be The Avengers, a film that blew away uh, the others by bringing together all of its heroes. Plus, the release came mere months after the huge success of Wonder Woman. So, most thought that goodwill would carry over. It did not. The 229 million uh, plus gross Justice League, uh, excuse me, puts Justice League over 60 million behind Man of Steel, which is in fourth place, almost 100 million behind Suicide Squad, which is in third place, a little over 100 million behind Batman v Superman, second place, and 183 million behind DC's number one film, Wonder Woman. Internationally, uh, it's more of the same. While the film is likely still playing in a few uh, places across the globe, its international total domestic is, currently sits at two, 657 million, which again puts it fifth out of the five DC movies, uh, with about 10 million behind it and Man of Steel. Um, what was the budget? The budget, mm, let's look that up. Let's see, box office. Isn't it amazing? It only grossed a quarter billion dollars what, over the weekend. Uh, no, this no. is so, Justice League has been out for a very, very long time. In fact, okay. you can get it on demand, you can My rent bet. it right now. It just finished, when they when they say it finished its domestic run, there was probably one one or two theaters across that, that were showing it, major chains mm -hmm. that were still showing it, it was still there on like a mm -hmm. 12 o'clock showing. Mm -hmm. So officially wrapping it, they, they have the box office numbers. I'm sure it's made a ton of money in rental and because it's been mm -hmm. on on demand for, yeah. you know, on VOD services yeah. for a while. Um, but the problem is these movies have to gross, they have to get close to a billion dollars or else they're considered failures, right? Uh, failure is such a loose term. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're talking about the DCEU. Think about it like this. How many pieces of fine art, Lauren Lanning, yeah. are hanging in the Louvre right now? The Louvre? That, that when they got made, that everybody's like, that wasn't good. That's the lowest Da Vinci painting anyone's ever seen. That's the lowest grossing Da Vinci painting anybody's ever seen. Yeah, right. Yeah. Time will tell on this one. So Justice League might this, wind up in the Louvre. They call it a slow burn. You know slow what I mean? burn, I hear you. A slow burn, it. Nick. How much? Yeah. I, Nick, you're, you're old. Correct me if I'm wrong. When E.T. came out, bombed. Later on, though... Is that true? No. No. Not in close. Not in close. Not in close. It was one of the biggest hits. Yeah. <laughs> E.T. E is one of those movies my wife can't watch because she remembers crying so hard at it in theaters when we were kids. When we're, we're children of the 80s. When they were freeing the frogs? Uh, no, she, she, she uh, starts crying when, they see, when she sees the hard his line. body. And it's like all the all the colors gone out of it. Um, yeah, it's really that sad. was that was actually very sad. I can't watch the movie either. Hold on, <laughs> I really want to know this now. I want to know how much Justice League cost to make. Uh, where the fuck? Where so I'll there? give you my two cents on these. Things. Yeah, whatever. So, so it's not it's not it's not considered a success with DC standards, unfortunately. And so here's the model, right? The mm -hmm. model is okay. Uh, a film studio, uh, a, a label like that, needs X number of hits next year. 
and in two years from now to fill the roster. So it's not like they have a great story that needs to become a movie. Mm -hmm. What they have is a big brand that they need a, an adequate script for in time to get it out for next year. And that's like kind of the, occasionally they get it right. You know, I'd like to know more of the story of uh, Black Panther and sort of Black Panther, great. Uh, that was, that's a movie that I think, well, the, the thing with, with Marvel is they, they, they have a lineage, they have a system mm -hmm. that they can plug in new directors with different ideas. Right. And they have this, what I think is a, is, a, is a very effective system where they're like, look, we're looking for your perspective on this. We want to make, make like have you make this film, but we're going to plug you into this system where we have producers, we mm -hmm. have uh, people who can help you along the mm -hmm. ride and help you craft that so that it's still our quote unquote standards. And, and it works a lot for them. Well, right? Black Panther it definitely worked yeah. because they brought in Ryan Coogler for it, who's the yeah. guy that did Creed. Yeah. Uh, he also did Fruitvale Station. We don't know if you yeah. saw that or not. Yeah. It was about the the Bart shooting a few years. I didn't see it, for. but I heard really it. Really good great. movie. Yeah. Really good indie. Yeah. Um, sorry, Michael B. Jordan worked with yeah. Michael B. Jordan on that. Brought him back to Creed. They right. developed that relationship over two films and said, hey. Right. I'm getting the opportunity after Creed to do Black Panther. I mm -hmm. want you to be the villain in it. B. Jordan's awesome as well. But he, he, the main thing for Kugler was he was like, this is going to be the first time that you see an all-black cast painted in a light where they're all, like, the heroes are black. Not just the side mm -hmm. character. Not just the... The first the, guy to get shot in the Yeah, weapon. exactly. <laughs> like, not just these people. And it's really, really cool. But yeah. the movie still feels like a Marvel movie. It still yeah. tells a cool story. It still tell, it has a, a, an antagonist that mm -hmm. is compelling. A protagonist that is relatively compelling. I would mm -hmm. actually argue that the Michael B. Jordan, the antagonist character, is way mm -hmm. better. But most good films have a yeah. good, a strong antagonist. Yeah. Um, it's it's really, really cool. Justice League, by the way, has a production budget of roughly 300 million, so you can imagine they're not too happy about. Sting. Yeah, because yeah, you have to also, they always say sting. production budget of 300 million, but they're not, they don't talk about how much it costs to market the film. Yeah, and I think no matter what, you know, this is the sequelitis of things, right? No yeah. matter what, uh, when you have to have a great script by Tuesday, right? Okay, now let's throw some writers at it. It's hard without being formulaic, right? And it's, eventually that wears really thin. And yeah. we see it on various franchises that just peter over time because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, we're betting on a franchise for you know, next year. We need the script now. And I've you're, seen that happen so You're a man times. that works with production timelines that are long. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Yeah, no, it's no, good, but so, no. so my question to you is like, how much added pressure would it be if you knew you had to make a sequel right now while you're still making well, the first? Well, this is, this is how we, in my opinion, uh, and this is no blame, this is just the history, right? Sure. Is, is, uh, that's what happened to us on the Oddball Quintology, meaning mm -hmm. we released Dave's Odyssey, it was the story I wanted to tell, I was learning how to build games, quite frankly, and then the second part was this whole big story, but what happened was the publisher said, uh, doomed to slipped, Unreal slipped. Everyone mm -hmm. slipped at Christmas for GT Interactive at the time, except us, and then we were a hit. So then we're like, we need a new one. Yeah. Just use the same engine. And I planned on rebuilding a new engine, and I planned on a lot of stuff. And we need it in nine months. And it was like, ah, it's yeah. not really an engine. It's really a demo that sucks, man. Like, <laughs> it was terrible technology. It was like, oh, why are you doing this? And I had to change everything about what the original idea was just to produce something in nine months. And uh, what I've heard people say is uh, twice the gameplay, half the inspiration, you know, half mm -hmm. the soul. And I think that was very accurate, right? So that's just a personal experience. That's a, that's a great saying. How you get off track. And then after that, we, we were doing Munch's Odyssey. And uh, we were aligned, very fortunately, with uh, the Xbox launch, right? And we were just trying to survive. But what happened then is Microsoft going, we think you're the Mario killer for us. So that tended to shape a little bit of, and you're trying to be a good partner, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And who might know? I imagine all the market. Someone, when someone says you're the Mario killer, that puts a little bit of an expectation on you that might be pressure 
Well, yeah, a little pressure. bit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're really going to dethrone yeah. Miyamoto, you know, right. But it, that, that was like, you know, when they look at demographic and we plan to do this and that. So that tends to, sh the business and, and the timing and the pressures can shape the content. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to us. And that's, in the new one that we're doing, I was like, you know what, let's get back to that original idea because I love the universe. Uh, I love the possibility of what we said with a five-part series. And I said, well, let's get back to what the original intention was. So people think we're remaking... Uh, what, what was Abe's Exodus, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not trying to be here pimping that. But no, what, this is fascinating. But what we, what we do is I said, okay, let's get to the original soul of what that game was supposed to be. And the game we released was nothing like it, but it went through this journey, you know, involving trains, involving mm -hmm. different factories, involving brew. Let's get back to the original of it. And then we just completely rescoped it. We completely start from ground zero. But one of the reasons I was able to kind of get away with this insanity is no one else is paying for it except our, our dumbasses, you know? Yeah, that's... And we're really going for broke on this, you know, and I get no sleep throughout the year, and that's typical. But, uh, but the reason was, it's like, let's get back to the heart of what it meant, you know? And we were able to kind of build Abe's Odyssey that way, and it took us over two and a half years to build the company, build the team, and release the product. And then we're in similar sort of scopes now, but we have slightly different models about how we produce it. Uh, and we're trying to do a lot more with a lot less. And, but we're able to stay true to a vision because we don't have someone saying, look, we need that for this Q4 or else we're all screwed together. Right. And uh, so we're able to have more of that creative uh, intention that we always wanted. And that's the problem when you get into systems. And I'm not, you know, it, it's just business, right? Like here we have a quarter billion dollar economic failure, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right? So it's like, I decided, I was like, instead of trying to build $40 million games, uh, maybe we can build five to $10 million games. Mm -hmm. And then if we can do that self-publishing and return 2X, we get to build another game yeah, and, and have some fun along the way, get a little, people, stay yeah, employed, you know, keep it simple, right? But we're not with a public company that needs to have a 5X return or you're a loser. And we're not with a VC that has to have a 10X return or you're a loser, right? right? And so it's a different ratio of... Uh, that's insane. It, it's, it's interesting to hear those thoughts because that's still, that's, that's actually echoed in the film industry as well. Absolutely. A lot of those, a lot, a lot of those movies that were the 10 to $50 million range mm -hmm. are just gone, they're gone. They're, those is, are the risk movies. And a great example of that was like Scorsese, who I think really understood his audience and the scale of it. So they were always trying to give Scorsese, Martin Scorsese more money to make his movies. It's like, it's Martin Scorsese. Let's have it be the blockbuster. He's like, my audience is not the blockbuster, okay? Yeah. So you want me to spend... I'm not directed at Justice League anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, you want me to well, spend $150 million. I don't want to spend any more than 40 because I know who my yeah. audience is. So my number's a little off, but that no, was no, his sure. mentality. And that was really smart, right? As opposed to Michael Bay, who's like, I'm all about the teenage date night, and I'm all about the boys, and I know my audience is, is high school teenage boys and so kill me that's a quote from him right so right. kill me right but uh, he knows it and he knows that that's the biggest bar box office spend that's the biggest people mm -hmm. buying tickets is you know young younger males and uh, date night is really rocking the uh, oh, box yeah. office and so he can spend as much as he wants and he'll probably make it back like they still make money. These movies. Surprisingly, they still make money. You talk about uh, you talk about half the what was it? Twice the twice the story, half the inspiration. Half the soul. Yeah. Uh, half the soul. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you've seen a Transformers movie anytime soon, it it's is hard. It is five hundred times the graphics. Yeah. Uh, five hundred times less the soul. Yeah, That's yeah. How You're it just goes. like another chase, another chase, they another just, chase. It's, another... But it's fascinating to me. I, those are actually starting to have negative returns now too. They've actually they're thinking about revamping that series as well because I think they finally hit that tipping point where I mean, and you know that's. As a business person, as someone who runs a business, you yeah. do have to do that. You go, yeah. look, we have a product that's killing. 
Yeah. Let's make more of that product. Yeah. That makes sense because if you make more of that product, I don't have to tell people they don't have jobs. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And then you go, you ride it, and you ride it to a point where it's like, okay, you're getting a lot, the diminishing returns. Now mm -hmm. we got We got to shift. And we got to find something new. So I totally understand that. But a perfect example, time and time again, that I keep seeing is Guillermo del Toro. He mm -hmm. comes back. Uh, and they say, I think he wanted 40 million for uh, Shape of Water. And mm -hmm. the company that funded it, the people that funded it, said, we, we can only give you 20 million. And he went to his friends, his, who are, admittedly are amazing directors in their own right, Alfonso Caron and a few other guys, and said, what should I do here? And he said, well, you remember when we were young and hungry and we just wanted to tell a story no matter how, mm -hmm. we just, any way, shape, or yeah. form, we just get out there and do it, we'd figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Why don't we go back to that mentality because it's safer and there's less risk and we can tell the story we want to tell. And yeah. so they have the budget for Shape of Water yeah. and I think two years later he's standing on stage uh, accepting the Academy, Academy Award. Award. Which I don't necessarily think that was the best picture. I think that's I, trends influencing that. I but, have not uh, seen it yet. But it was totally admirable. What was right. your? Did you see all the films yeah, from last I, year? I, uh, no, not all of them. But I did see Shape of Water. You know, and what, what, I thought, did, you, what, what did you think was better than Shape of Water? Uh, I'm sure it was a good film, by the way. I'm not saying that it was you're trashing it or anything. Oh like that. man, because I saw. Yeah, uh, I'm in the three, middle of Dev right so No, no, totally. I won't, I won't put you on that. But uh, but you know, there was some weakness in the writing. I thought there was some okay. weaknesses in the character development. But it was a, it was a wonderful little tale. Yeah. Right. And what you said, I think, is true. Which is, how do you figure out how to do it, man? I, I recently had. Uh, a conversation with a like DreamWorks Pixar class director, yeah. really great guy, and he's wanting to make his own movie and stuff, and he's really passionate about it. And I said, look, man, you figure out how to make the movie for five million, for ten million. If you're going to do it in CG, you can use game engines today. You can do this stuff. And he's yeah. like, five million? I can't even do the testing, the audience testing. And I was like, dude, you don't need audience. You don't need audience testing. You need audience testing story. when DreamWorks is spending or Pixar is spending, sure. you know, 150, 200 million dollars, and every joke needs to be on because that needs to be a billion dollar blockbuster, right? Why don't you just make the film you want for five million, and if it returns 20 million, you're a hit. You're good, right? You yeah. don't need a half billion to be okay. There's a magic to that problem solving, by the way. There's mm -hmm. a magic to the the directors who have to come in and figure out how to do underwater sequences. For cheap, like you know, mm -hmm. Guillermo del Toro famously was like on this one was like we couldn't shoot underwater; it was way too expensive. Mm -hmm. What did they do? They filled a room full of smoke, put some particulates in afterward, yeah. and hung them. You we were, know? Do, we and were that doing was that years ago in, yeah. in, in and visual it, effects. And the effect lends itself, and you figure out how to have that effect lend itself to the storytelling and not be counterintuitive to the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And famously as well, uh, the Wachowski siblings when they were making the Matrix, they didn't have a lot of money for that movie. They had to figure out how to make it cool. And that was the best one, right? That one, of course because, it was the best because one. Because the expectations were low, they were able to focus more on the craft, right? Yes. Not the delivery date and not how to... And Tell the a next great ones, story. The next ones, they said, okay, you've got this much budget now. And oh, all of a sudden, you, you have that many more marketing people involved, that many more sales people involved, that many more studio notes You get the involved. weird albino twins with the, with the reggae cuts. Where did that come from? Who the hell knows? Yeah, I don't know. I it don't was know. weird. It was but, weird. But that idea of, like, figure out how to do it cheaper, you know? And it may take you a little longer, you're not under the same pressures, but you can tell a better story. Story. And the best picture is almost always that. Mm -hmm. Like the big best picture in the Academy Awards is rarely the summer blockbuster. It's very, yeah, it's right. never been the summer blockbuster. Because it's like someone has a great script. They're like, I need to make this script. And then all, the, all those studios are looking and going, eh, it's not big enough. It's a niche. It's but it brings, up, it brings up the question, are the Academy Awards too, uh, too jilted toward that, right? Are they are not jilted, that's not the right word. Uh, are, are they too... Are they discriminatory against comic book movies? Because Logan came out last year, and a lot of people. Logan thought, was great. 
a lot of people thought, hey, if this were 10 years from now and Logan comes out, this might actually get a nod from the Academy. Mm -hmm. It got nominated for, I, I think, I thought it was best. better than Shape of Water. I thought it was really good, you know? but it still has that sort of stigma about mm -hmm. it, that it's a kid's movie, it's not mm -hmm. a real movie, even though it tells the story in a lot of ways that's very, very meaningful, especially for people like me who mm -hmm. have been following mm -hmm. uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart in these roles since the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And you see the culmination of these two careers and these two characters that basically have been very, very helpful in shepherding Mm -hmm. comic book movies into the mainstream mm -hmm. and you see the, their last two movies together it, it it's very heartfelt it, it is great when you bring that new twist in a different way than they're expecting it's like what Frank Miller did with Dark Knight mm -hmm. right it's like now you got the aging Batman yeah, right that. and Logan was like I loved Logan it was great I thought it was great it was great I thought it was rich I like seeing superheroes that aren't so super that are down you know? I know and, well, then, that, and then they gotta find it in that's why it's so fun that, that's what they I, I think James Mangold did a great job with that he's the director in that he was like, look, these movies can't be about superpowers because after right. a certain point, it's boring. Because you have to constantly find people who have matching powers for it to be interesting. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that all the time echoed everywhere, right? Two teams go against each other. It's mm -hmm. like, well, the two guys that shouldn't be fighting have to fight because it's fascinating. If this guy fights, this yes. guy's just going to clobber yeah. him, right? And I'm so bored of watching a fight. I'm so bored. If I watch another fist fight that lasts five minutes, if I watch another car chase that lasts 15 minutes, that's not as good as like to live and die in LA or something extraordinary, you yeah, know? It's funny. I just the popped French that on my queue. I just like... popped live and die in LA on my queue. I was like, I got to watch this. I've never seen it before. It was awesome, right? Like I haven't seen it yet. I got to watch it. Okay. I'm not giving you. Uh, Don't spoil it's, it. It's a spoiler, <laughs> but the car chase was extraordinary. Was right? it? Just like the gunfight in Heat was extraordinary, oh, right? Was... And it's like, if you're going to have it, let's see it, man. Let's see it new. Let's see it. And it reminds me, too, back to the, the theme of what we were talking. Uh, we had talked to, at one point in time, before J.J. Abrams was J.J. Abrams, he wanted to make an Oddworld movie. That's what oh, they, really? they wanted to do that before Felicity. Oh, wow. And... Uh, and that's how we got to know. Call him uh, up again. Let's get this going. I know. Well, we, I'd watch that movie. Fortunately, you know, we stayed friends with Brian Burke and those guys. But what they used to say was they'd say, how do we go back to the way we made things when we were in, when we were in college? How do we go back to thinking simply about productions? How do we spend less so we can do more of the stories we want, the characters we want, you know? And I think that's the ratio for creatives. Because the bigger the budget gets, the harder that becomes. And even if you're, um, you know, how's Ready Player One? early indications doing. Not well. Very mixed, right? Yeah. And that's Spielberg, so you can still get it wrong, right? It's true. Yeah. It's true. Cool, Greg. What is this you just brought up? What's going on here? Is uh, this coming from the chat? Yeah, Mr. Yasman's pretty pretty excited about All right, let's this. get this out. This is coming from the chat, Mr. Yasman 300. This is a tweet from Entertainment Weekly's Twitter. We're going live on Facebook with at Shazam MovieCast on Wednesday. Reply to this tweet with your questions, and they may be answered on air. Get more details on the upcoming film here. Click on that link. Let's see what that does. Let's see. This is Wednesday, March 21st, yeah. tomorrow. So we'll have some fun news tomorrow about hopefully the DC uh, Shazam's cast. Is it, who's, who's Shazam? Uh, scroll down, I'll read the story. After years, this comes from Entertainment Weekly, after years in development, DC Shazam movie officially has a release date. The film starring Zach Levi, Chuck, as Captain Marvel is going to be released on April 5th. Okay, so it is Zach Levi. How do I not know anything? This is the problem with DC is I just don't know anything about their movies. Just, I'm, I've lost interest. Uh, the film has also reportedly cast Mark Strong from The Kingsman and also Green Lantern uh, as its yet uh, as yet unidentified villain and David F. Sandberg lights out as director. Uh, cool. I guess. We'll see. He's not telling us much, right? No, they haven't really released too many details what else about was he this. In? Uh, Zach Levi was in a, a show called Chuck for a very okay. long time on TV, and he does... Uh, I haven't had TV in a very long time. If you go to, <laughs> if you go to Comic-Con, he does a lot of nerd stuff. He's a big, he's a big fat nerd, yeah. which is great, he looks, metaphorically he looks speaking. Nice. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. He's tall, great hair, I hate him. Yeah, um, me too. 
Interesting. Dark hair. Interesting. We'll see about well, well, tune back in tomorrow. We'll have all the expert analysis on Shazam for you guys. Uh, let's bring up this. Uh, well, this is not much of a news story, but I'll read the headline anyway. Uh, go ahead. This is from Deadline. The Weinstein Company is uh, filing for bankruptcy in, tonight in Delaware. Um, and there are a ton of people who are bidding to, they're going to basically just pick this company apart for all of its properties and let it die. And I think that's probably, it's probably for the best. On yeah, this. you know, how do you, sa- the how do you save story? the brand, right? You're not going to save the brand. The idea of the you Weinstein can't. company is dead forever. It's dead forever. If you have anything that has Weinstein on it, it is not a movie that's going to ship. And at it should have happened a long years. time ago, right? Probably, uh, given some of the story, the, the allegations against Harvey yeah. Weinstein yeah. are telling a tale that is not entirely pretty. Um, yeah. It's sad because the Weinstein company has been one of the, uh, the biggest advocates and proponents of independent cinema. Uh, they've made some really, really great films. They've also made some bad films. They were um, also accused of fixing the Academy Awards with those extraordinary uh, swag bags of $60,000 values that won them. What was the movie that they got? Princess Diary? No. Uh, no, not Princess Diary. Uh, That'd no, be amazing. No, no. But Princess it was something, what was it? It was like that love story that was a comedy. Oh, are you talking about Shakespeare in Love? Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Did that deserve Best Picture? No, it sure the... didn't. No, and I'll didn't. tell you why. Because but if it... you had Rolexes in your swag bag, Right, so he. Why I want to go to the Academy Awards? He caught a lot of trouble for that uh, because basically, through swag and through PR, they were manipulating the results. This is the thing that a lot of people don't understand: is everyone thinks that award ceremonies like the Academy Awards are fair game. They are not. They are political Mm -hmm. people. I read a lot of uh, really fucking nerdy magazines, including American Cinematographer, which is a magazine that just talks about cinematography from the cinematographer perspective. I love it. Nice. I love my subscription ran out, nice. and I was like, I felt weird. I had to go to a bookstore to get the newest one. Yeah. Unfortunately, the cover story was Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which I have zero interest in reading about. Yeah. But the cool thing about that is, like everything else, they do the big cover stories. So you can then read about the up and comers in cinema. They yeah. talk a lot about the technology, the yeah. new cameras available, yeah. all those things. I used to. Get I nerd out about yeah. that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's I so good. Um, but. Jesus, I totally lost track of what, what I was talking <laughs> like about my there. What was I talking about? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, no. Are... What I was going to say is every uh, every award season, you start seeing it, right? You start mm-hmm. seeing every, you turn a page for your consideration, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri for Academy mm-hmm. Awards. They campaign for these things. Mm-hmm. They If they think the movie is going to be good, they carve out a specific amount of budget mm-hmm. so that they, they can go campaign with various mm-hmm. people. Um, famously, like, you know, you, you hear stories of like people like Halle Berry when she was first coming up for Monsters ball being toured around that all was the old movie. school great movie yeah. but being toured around all the old school Hollywood elite so that they could vote for her even though they hadn't seen the movie and so there's yeah. a lot more politics that are behind the scenes with these things Anything all I'm saying is now I'm going to start my Oscars campaign right now don't right. know what the movie is yeah. don't know what the movie is I'm yeah. going to make yet and you know what's what's messed up about just real quick on Weinstein is sure. there's a lot more of these in Hollywood oh yeah right but the Hollywood uh, hypocrites and hoes which is I consider male and female equally uh, accusable on that level they're not Weinstein's the one that's safe to come out and dog now but all the guys that they know that are still doing this crap they're not coming out so it's a, basically you know an industry of well when it's safe we don't want to rush our brand we don't want to tarnish our brand by possibly not being safe and making mm-hmm. the acquisition uh, the accusations against the predators that we know are running this town and it's unfortunate right? because it goes right back to what we were talking about earlier yeah. which is that you have to have the support of so many different gatekeepers mm-hmm. to make a big product like that mm-hmm. that you don't want to piss off the wrong person that's, that's right. how do I know if I accuse person A of something that person B is not going to hold that against me later down the road exactly. it's a di- very difficult situation Exactly. That's why I run a small internet company <laughs> out of a two-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. 
because I don't have that overhead <laughs> and I don't have to worry about pissing people off when okay. I render a criticism against them okay. that is completely unfounded and unintelligible. That's what we do. Uh, next news story. Actually, we're doing good on time. All right. We've got two more news stories. I want to get to the last news story for you uh, because I think you'll be fascinated by it. This is a, this is a, a quick fun one. Uh, Wes Anderson to make theatrical debut in China with Isle of Dogs. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Isle of Dogs. Does I don't it know if you have. It looks amazing. Now, I Wes like Anderson, the picture. I like the dog. I like themes with dogs. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is a story. Wes Anderson, of course, if you don't, if you're not familiar with him, has directed movies like Life Aquatic. He did mm -hmm. uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Mm -hmm. He made uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is uh, mm -hmm. in that stop motion style. Mm -hmm. He's going back to stop motion with is this, this stop motion. Yes, Isle of Dogs. Uh, it is about a, a an island uh, in Japan that is like a trash island that a bunch of dogs live on. And a boy loses his dog, and they think that they've shipped it out to this island. Is this so he like goes, based on he a goes true, looking. Like, is there an island of trash? That has no, I don't, I, don't, okay. I don't know. I, I don't wouldn't know be surprised. For sure. But it's, yeah. it looks amazing, and of course it utilizes the voice talents of all of the people he works with, including Ed Norton, Bill Murray, oh, nice. all these great people. Nice. It looks great. So, so this like, is the first time China is going to get to see this, which is great. Wow. Um, if you didn't know, like obviously the, the, the doors to China have been open as of the past five years, so for 10 years, actually. So what, they're just trying to avoid piracy, right? Uh, that or I think uh, the 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 powers that be in China are very picky about what gets released there. So it must have been financed in China. It is co not not financed in China, but they are uh, they are partnering with. Yeah, we can scroll down. I can read the story. Uh, they're partnering with a big. Uh, Chinese studio to yeah. release it, and so that's yeah. that's kind of been the theme for the last ten mm -hmm. years is that a lot of money is coming out of China, but it has to benefit China, rightfully. Yeah. So, of course, if you're investing in something, you want a return on your investment. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson's most anticipated stop motion animation, Isle of Dogs, is heading to China. Uh, the news was confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter at Hong Kong's film art by Chinese film company Joy Pictures, very huge by the way, which has partnered with Fox as the official local marketing partner on the title. Growing international mini-studio Global Road Entertainment is linked up with Joy Pictures on the release and will support the film with its own local marketing resources. A spokesperson uh, in 20th Century Fox's Beijing office declined to comment Global Road couldn't immediately be reached. Basically, they're like, we don't care. We're, we're releasing this thing in China. We're going to do it our way. We're going to make a lot of money off with it. With voice by Yoko Ono? Starring much of Anderson's unusual ensemble, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Ed Norton, Jeff Goldblum. First off, those four names. Come on, son. Then you got Brian Cranston, Scarlett Johansson, Greta Gerwig, who I love, Francis McDormand, who I also love, and others, including Yoko Ono. Isle of Dogs <laughs> is set in a dystopian future, uh, Japan, where dogs have been quarantined onto an island made of trash because of an outbreak of, quote, canine flu. Um, not much of a story here, just canine cool that. flu. Cool that Wes Anderson's movies are, are going to be more widespread. Obviously, if you can get a product like a movie, like Isle of Dogs launched in China, you're going to make a lot more money and a lot bigger return off of that, uh, thus allowing you to make another stop-motion film, which, by the way, are not cheap to yeah. make. Not cheap yeah. to make. All right, uh, let's skip this next <coughs> news story because I want, I want to talk to Lauren about this one. Yeah, this is what I want. This comes from The Verge, saw this this morning, and I thought, I've got Lauren Lanning on my show. <laughs> this is the perfect story for him. I'm gonna read the headline, a little bit of the story, and let him talk. Uber likely, quote, not at fault, in deadly self-driving car crash, police chief says. Uh, this story reads, Uber was likely not at fault in the deadly crash of its uh, self-driving vehicle in Arizona on Sunday evening. Tempe Police Chief Sylvia Moir told San Francisco Chronicle in a startling interview the following day, her comments have caused a stir in this closely watched investigation which is being characterized as the first human killed by an autonomous vehicle. Quote, I suspect preliminary, preliminarily it appears that the Uber 
would likely not be at fault in this accident, Moore told the Chronicle, adding, quote, I won't rule out the potential to file charges against uh, the backup driver in the Uber vehicle. The crash occurred near Mill Avenue and Curry Road late on Sunday in Tempe, Arizona. The Uber vehicle was headed northbound when a woman identified as 49-year-old Elaine Hertzberg was struck while pushing a bicycle across the street. Hertzberg was taken to the hospital uh, where she later died from her injuries. The vehicle was traveling 38 miles per hour, though it is unclear whether that was above or below the speed limit. Police say that the speed limit was 35 miles an hour, but a Google Street View shot of the roadway uh, taken last July shows a speed limit of 45 miles along the stretch of the road. The, the driver, 44-year-old Rafael Vasquez, has given a statement to police. Uh, police have viewed, I'll read the whole story before we jump down the throat. Uh, police have viewed footage from two of the vehicle's cameras, one facing toward the street, the other inside the car facing the driver. Based on the footage, Moore says that uh, Moore says that the, the driver had little time to react. The driver said it was like a flash. The person walked out in front of them, she said. His first alert to the, to the collision was the sound of the collision. She added, it's very clear. It would have been difficult to avoid the collision in any kind of a mode, autonomous or human driving, based on how she came from the shadows right into the roadway. So, first of all, it's tragic. Right? Someone, oh, of course. Someone died. Of course. I made a comment that long, long, not that long ago about, you know, killed him, killed us, we, we killed ourselves to get it. Sure. But someone had died, mm -hmm. which made it completely inappropriate. Right. So to be comedic around this, first I wanted to say, that's tragic. Someone died. Of course. We shouldn't be making fun. Of course. Right? That person then my conspiratorial mind <laughs> looks at the trend. And here's what I think is happening. Pretty soon, right now, we say, if you don't believe in uh, getting... Uh, vaccinations, you're an anti-vaxxer. Right. Right. Or if you don't believe that you don't want vaccinations with heavy heavy metals in them, you're still an anti-vaxxer. Mm -hmm. Right. I hope you're like, how about one without mercury in it? You know? Right. And then, But you're still an anti-vaxxer. Right. If you have a difference of opinion of what's happening on global warming, automatically you're a climate denier. Right. Climate science denier. Right. Even though some of the most brilliant scientists on the world today, including Freeman Dyson, are like, the science is not accurate, mm -hmm. right? So that doesn't matter, because if you have any argument around a certain topic, pretty soon the argument is gonna be, you're a wannabe reckless driver, because you still wanna control your own car. Mm. This is coming because there's so much money to be made on self-driving cars. The PR is going to spin the PR to, to is shame people from having these sort of It's gonna shame people from driving, right? And yeah. then I think it's really diabolical, right? Because we're living on a planet that arguably, Bill Gates is telling us, is completely overpopulated and needs to be population reduction, right? Mm -hmm. And there's lots of people who feel this way. So it's like the Kingsman, right? What do you do? You give everyone free cell phones, and right. then you boom, and then you get them all so to you kill think, each other. So you, 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 you foresee a future <laughs> where, where 10 years from now, everyone's not driving their own car, and then boom, we all just fucking crash into <laughs> each other. And then you have like 60% depopulation yeah, overnight. Take out yeah. three to four billion people. And no one's really accountable warming. because it was just a software glitch. I'm going to tell you this right now. Yeah. This is why I drive a 12-year-old Honda Accord. Mine's it doesn't 20. even have a USB <laughs> port in it. And I love it, and it doesn't even have 100,000 miles on it. I'm taking care of that baby like it's my... Like, my salvation. I still drive a twenty-year-old truck. You got to do it, everyone. Here, yeah, I don't like that tech. Man. I read there was that there was that story a while back, maybe ten years ago, where the yeah. Wall Street was it Wall Street Journal, New York, New York Times reporters' car, uh, the brakes malfunctioned. It's arguable he, that it was taken over. It's arguable it was taken over. Right? It was Rolling it's, Stone. It's, right? It was Rolling Stone. Is what it is. It, and it's, he, was, uh, he just said, "Watch my life because I'm breaking a story on the FBI, CIA, and I'm in I, my life is being right. I'm, I'm afraid for my life." Comes out that he was. Uh, they say, "Oh, he was uh, on drugs or whatever it was. Yeah. and just wasn't piloting the vehicle." Yeah. But he had a car that was fully automated. It could absolutely be hacked into. This is what terrifies me. People get super, super excited about Tesla. Yeah. Right. You have this information that comes out where, like, hey, uh, people are complaining that the Tesla is scraping mm -hmm. uh, the bottom of. 
the street as they're pulling out of their driveway. So what does Elon Musk do? Okay, pushes an update. The air shocks go up a little bit. It's amazing, right? <laughs> you don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. But the question becomes, how much of that are we willing to accept yeah. versus how much, what is the risk of someone being able to literally hack into everything we do and control our lives? Well, there's one rule to technology, which is it always fails. Okay. Right? Yeah. So the more we get into automation and the, f the failures, now maybe in this case, a live human couldn't have avoided it. And that's what the assessment is, right? In this case. This the, seems to be the fact threat. that no matter, this is just an unfortunate And that accident. could very well be. She right. was maybe potentially the person, uh, the victim yeah. was not paying attention. And that, and could, that could very well right. be. But the more that we become relying on th things like our cell phone. Right. right. Like for instance, right? One day, the reason I don't use Android anymore is because one time I was heading to LA with a whole series of business meetings, right? Yeah. All the information was in my phone, in my calendar and stuff like that. I accidentally hit an update on the OS. It wiped out all the information and changed my language. <laughs> so now what all did it the addresses, it, to? it changes like French or something I didn't understand, you know? And I was like, ah, what is going on? Yeah. All the numbers, all the addresses, all the appointments were gone, wiped out of the calendar. It was a bug in their software. Oh, we're sorry, it was a bug. It screwed, you know, it made, gave me a heart attack, yeah. right? And so like, I don't like cars to have anything automated like that, but I, I te Elon Musk, in my opinion, is one of the only heroes of Silicon Valley today. I agree. Meaning, meaning I think he's, Amazing, right? He's, he's truly, a fucking badass truly cowboy. Badass. Is what he is. And uh, and I, and I believe he's thinking about these things, right? When he mentions the threat of AI, he's for real, right? Like read the Daniel Suarez novels, right? Okay. Freedom and uh, uh, Demon, like that series. Mm -hmm. Read those because that was a Silicon Valley uh, defense tech writer who had signed so many NDAs he could no longer report on with all the tech companies about what was going on in the military industrial complex, he could no longer report on it because it was all secret. Mm. But he had NDAs, he saw it, so he started writing novels about so it. So these are fictional novels about it? Unbelievable, man. I mean, I'm talking Michael Crichton meets George Orwell right now, wow. for real. Okay. You know, Sherry read it and was upset for two weeks, right? Like really, really, really disturbing. And when you look at like Google owning Boston Dynamics, uh, Eric Schmidt and his shenanigans, uh, what does that mean? What is an army of bots like? Read Swarm, which is also a Daniel Suarez mm -hmm. about swarming AI stuff. We saw recently in Syria, uh, Russian troops were attacked by unknown swarms of drones. Jeez. But who originated them? Who sent them? You know, these are unaccountability, right? It's like mm -hmm. Minority Report, like just spiders are walking in, scanning your eyeballs. And Fucking you just terrifying. Here. Yeah, so this, I don't trust automation because I've been making software for 30 years, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I understand nothing's that perfect. Yeah, you so know, you've seen it go, you've it's seen going it go to south. fail. It's going to fail. And if you want to really take, the essence of terrorism is sort of immobilizing the machine, mm -hmm. right? As you turn the technology against itself. You didn't have a plane hijacking or a train hijacking before you had planes and trains, right? right? But what it did is before that period of time, you couldn't get a, th a thousand people on one thing together to sabotage it. You couldn't get 500 people to just go down in one crash because it, the vehicle didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So what happens with every form of technology is then it's hacked and it's taken over at some point. So we see the biggest corporations in the world are getting hacked and losing our financial data all the time. We don't even know what the blowback is. You right. and I don't know you how don't know many times like we years stolen by you know Russian yeah. mafia hackers or yeah, yeah. whatever, yeah. or secret intelligence agencies that are gonna use it as a blowback if things of their crimes get exposed. We don't know, right? What we do know is we can't trust any of it when enormous money's involved and enormous entities are involved. Yeah, I just read a story about uh, uh, Apple saying that their their valuation now is like in the trillions, I want to say, or something like that. So like, God, I forget what it was, but they're worth so much money that but they it's, have the it, world's largest secret hedge fund. They've they're insane. 
Yeah. They've got so yeah. much money and so much power yeah. and so much influence. And then what that are they like, doing? They're, they're making all of us afraid to update our phone because we don't want to go spend $1,000 for a new one, right? Because we know that they're fixing the, the old one. Now they're going to do that with your automated car. And we go, oh, you know, the way it's working. The battery's just, not working so much. We're going to have to get a new car. Why can't just I just change the, the code. battery? They'll just be pulling another VW. And who else was doing it? Mercedes and all the German car companies. It's interesting because that is the strategy, right? The strategy is... Let's just keep pushing, 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 pushing until someone pushes back. We go, right. oops, sorry, make Opa. Right. My bad. <laughs> Let's, exactly. uh, everyone cool? Okay, we're going to keep pushing forward. And the fact of the matter is we all willingly adopt this technology because yeah. it does make our day-to-day -day lives better. But none of us want to think about what the long-term effects of yeah. this all is. It might be great. Like, you know, in certain instances, we get Elon Musk shooting his Tesla over to Mars. That's fucking awesome. How cool and is that? And if my money can go toward that, <laughs> yeah. if, 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 God forbid we ever get the opportunity to, like, tell people where our tax money yeah. should go to, mm -hmm. like, actually be able to log on and be like, I would like my tax money to go mm -hmm. all toward education and, like, space exploration. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the economy would have collapsed because people were like, you got to do other shit like roads. And I don't even yeah. fuck about roads. Yeah. But, um, but it's fascinating to see a guy who just really... It's like, I don't give a fuck. You I want to just do this. Cool. Like, who the fuck, so what kind great. of like crazy bastard goes, I want to privatize space travel, and I'm going to do it. Like, I think about shit like that all the time. And revolutionize highway making by creating tunnels. You see yeah. the boring company now? Yeah. You know, and the batteries and the solar and the tiles and all this stuff. I was uh, fortunate. Benny Terry, a partner in, in Oddworld mm -hmm. that I work with, executive producer on his stuff, he, uh, he's a Tesla guy, and he took us down, so I got a a tour of the plant a couple oh. weeks ago down, you know, down in Silicon uh -huh. Valley, and that's cool. It, it, when you see that, you real so there's a couple of things. There's so many. This is the biggest robot for this. This is the biggest weight press in the world. A million pound press, boom, right? And the whole when they were testing the press and setting up that factory, the geological uh, uh, monitoring, uh, you know, whatever it's called, National Geo yeah, yeah, yeah. Geological. They were like, "Why are these earthquakes happening?" Right? That's <laughs> like we're talking that magnitude. We're talking robots that grab batteries that weigh twelve, fifteen hundred pounds and just go, boom, to within like you know microns of accuracy. Like you are watching the future, right? But I'll tell you, one of the things I, I love about him and what he's doing is that when you go through that plant, the technological capability is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many firsts that are happening there, right? But then you look at the workers, and it's still mostly blue-collar, right? Like, you're seeing something that we've seen deteriorate in the, in the country. Mm -hmm. And that's where I look at Musk, and I go, he's building it in California. Look at how many people. SpaceX, uh, the battery factory, the the car manufacturing plant, the boring company, this is all using American blue collar. Like, my grandfather earned the watch from the railroad, right? Yeah. My father, right. my stepfather was a trucker. My dad was a uh, Navy guy who started building electronics, you know, worked on the original ColecoVision, right? Like, wow. these were, like, American craftsmen or really, at times, blue collar necessity labor. And to go through, and you're looking at the most high-tech plant in the world, but you're seeing people of all different shapes and sizes, but it's largely, like, and I, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Like yeah, we're seeing a workforce and everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what color they are, no matter what age they are, they got something on it says that Tesla. And you know that and you can feel their pride, right? And you know when that guy shows up, they're like, that's the guy we're working for. Now, how often is that, right? I'll tell you this. People are not walking in and going, Tim Cook, 
that's the guy we're working for, right? I wish the guy would use his damn products before he releases the crap half the time. Like, <laughs> like it's like, are you kidding me? You know, and if you get into a beast that a beast that big, like, mm. come on, how do you screw it up when you got that much money, right? It, well, I think uh, for one, I, I know that when Cool Greg comes to work, he's not thinking that way about me, unfortunately. <laughs> but Cool Greg, it's my life's goal to make you walk into work one day and be like, I'm proud to work with this human being over here. Yeah. This yeah. guy's an inspiration. I'm not sure anyone's saying about that with me. I but, think people yeah. love you. I would love to. I would work for you in a heartbeat. Okay, if you have any job openings, what's going on? We got a shipment from Ireland. Okay. I don't know if it was from Amy Gills or not, uh, but it's uh, some Irish chocolates. And guess who brought it up? Guess who brought up the fucking package? Danny O'Dwyer. Danny O'Dwyer. You're kidding me. Are you you can't kidding make me? this shit up. Sometimes truth, stranger than fiction, ladies and gentlemen. Um, kind of Sorry. Hey, what's up? But, uh, if this, Amy, if this is you or whoever it was, let us know because I didn't. There was no message inside. There's just like the ship to and. Um, shit has to be Amy. We only have one fan in Ireland. It's Amy. Uh, That's this tea. Is, uh, what is that? A gift from Ireland. Butlers. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's maybe it's tea. It's probably a. Candy. Oh no, milk chocolate. That's milk chocolate. Milk chocolate truffles. I just got excited that maybe it was some cool Irish tea that I never heard you of. You guys want any? You want me to leave it here? Uh, I'm okay for now. I'm okay for now. But he'll, he'll be he'll be off in a second. Uh, we have one quick tip before we get into the next half of the show. Panzer G2 has given us a tip. Said Lauren, playing through new uh, new and tasty over the summer. What a great remake. The control scheme on the original really held me back, but new and tasty made me feel ten years old again. Thanks for everything. If we can make people feel 10 years old, I, I want some. Man, I'll tell you. <laughs> it I made will me say, feel 10 years older. <laughs> I will say this right now, that one of the things that I, that I think about all the time is I'm like, I have lost that child mentality, that, 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 that sort of child way of looking at the world, and I'm so sad about that. Every yeah. day that I get older yeah. is one step more away from that, and if you're fortunate enough to have ha, keep some of that childlike wonderment in you as you, as you, turn, as you get older, you're going to be so much better off for it. And you have to Never stop a, playing video games, never stop seeing nerd movies. And you have to remain a bit of a clown, right? You like you to. can't Like, even in the most serious circumstances, you have to be able to laugh, you have to, you know, we were, we were going to GDC, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure, we're showing certain people certain things, and some of the team is like, I'm like, how you doing? And we're working incredible, right? And they're going, I'm really worried. <laughs> I was like, look, man, we're okay, right? <laughs> but if you're worried, you're going to get drained more. Yeah. Right? But I'm telling you we're okay. Like, even if you don't pull off what you think you got to pull off for this, yeah. you've pulled off enough, we're going to be okay. And it's amazing what you can do with different levels of stress if you can stay happy doing it, you know? And uh, if I had regrets about my career, it's like, at times, I'd take it too seriously. And, man, nothing ages you faster and nothing makes you more God, depressed. It's understandable, though. You know, you, it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty. I've been there, too. I've been to the point, with, even just with doing the stuff that we do, where I've gotten so stressed out, I've become a person that I don't like, necessarily. Right. And right. that's, I look back on that person, I think to myself, I would like to go back and, ha and sit that person down and be like, go to sleep. Get, <laughs> get a good meal. Yeah. Relax. Yeah, because at the end yeah. of the day... I love what we do here, and you understand. You're, yeah. you're, on, you're, you're in that percentage of people who have the consequences. The peaks and valleys for you are a lot wider spread than everyone else out there, right? People working at a job where if you fuck up, you you might get fired. But really, what's gonna like right. for the most part? What are the ramifications of right. a day to day fuck up? Whereas we, if if I do something crazy, if I go out there and if right. I say a crazy racial slur right now, and I mean it. I say a lot of jokes about, like, I say a lot of crazy stuff, but if I were to mean a joke like yeah. that, yeah. it could potentially have such harmful consequences to what we're doing here that I might not be able to recover. Mm -hmm. And so there is, 
when you run your own business, that is the stress that you take. But you also get the rewards of everything. You also get the mm -hmm. you know the accolades, and you get to feel like you've actually done something. Yeah. And you get to to form and shape the product. Yeah. Along your vision, right? And to be a much more visible target. <laughs> you know. That's 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 <laughs> what you take. With but with with with, with all those with all those uh, you know virtues, you have to take a little bit of the you know yeah. a little bit of the heat, and that's what happens. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, that is what it's, it is. It's it's, uh, it's like if we could only. When I look back, I look at a lot of the business relationships, especially with employees at times, you know, maybe someone's not performing how you want, or maybe they're not aligned to what you thought they should be or what they committed to, or whatever. Maybe it's your own disillusioned expectations. But so many times I've stood back and go, wow, that relationship kind of got trashed. Mm -hmm. But I like that person. Mm -hmm. But the work circumstance, this capitalistic environment where you know only the strong are gonna survive, you know, it, as entrepreneurs. Um, and I, and I I do resent the system of winner-take-all. I do resent that we're in far more than, which is what I liked about the indie mm -hmm. process, was you could do 2x and keep on building games. Right, Whereas right. if you did that with a publisher, you're out. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and I've looked at and had relationships with people that I thought were really good people that really got tainted because of the business. You know? In that aspect, I'm like, it's really sad because that is the person I would like to have at the barbecue. You know? That is the person if we were just sitting down and it wasn't money and time and schedule between us, yeah. that we still would have been you know, great friends. And I, you know, I've worked with a lot of, sorry, continue. Yeah. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I've worked with a lot of people who I think are very talented, but sometimes they just, maybe one or both sides don't realize that that, that relationship has run its course. Yeah. And I've often seen that people who, you know, have to leave a company for whatever reason tend to be happier because yeah. usually whatever led them to wanting to part with the company uh, was a long time coming and right. no one realized it. Right. So, you know, I mean, I've seen people who have been devastated obviously by it as well, but I've seen people who have left, like when I used to work at IGN, people would leave and go, you know what, I, I should have left a while back. Right. I was not the right person for this role, myself mm -hmm. included, by the way, mm -hmm. because I stayed there for probably two years longer than I and probably And it happens should've. more and more as the world around us gets more expensive, yeah. right? Like yeah. we can't afford to take risks. Yeah, your margins are narrowing, yeah. so you Everyone gotta go, make sure. Oh, like, go to Silicon Valley, start up, you make a lot of money. There's millions of train wrecks where people mortgage their house just hoping that that second round of funding would come through. Wrecked, wrecked families, wrecked, you know, all the kinds of possibilities. And now, you know, there's, they, they can't live here. Yeah, well, you, all, you, all these we only ever usually hear about the success stories. Exactly. Right? But you don't for hear every about success the, story the thousand here, that didn't work. there's 10,000 that didn't yeah, work. Right? Yeah. yeah, we're not hearing that tragedy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, P.S. I love this best friend. XOXO is your opportunity to shout someone out in the community uh, that you think is doing a great job of being a human being. Go to kindoffunny.com slash best friend. Fill out the form just like Amy Gills did. Amy Gills, hopefully you sent us that package. If not, whoever did send us that package, she we did. appreciate you. She did. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, Amy is shouting out Wes Bray. She says, a small shout out to Wes for helping me with a few bits over the past while including allowing me to have a, uh, a parcel delivered to the house and then sending it on as, as Amazon wouldn't deliver it to Ireland. Really appreciate the help, Wes. Thank you. That's awesome. That's what we like to see there. Uh, all right, it's giveaway time, ladies and gentlemen, each and every day here on the Kind of Funny Morning Show. We give away a game. There's four ways to win. One, be in the Twitch chat. Two, be a Twitch subscriber. This is your daily reminder that you have Amazon Prime. Jeff Bezos is the richest human being ever to live. He wants to give us a free $5 via you. So if you want to do that for us, take a little bit of his billions away, give it to us. If not, give it to someone in the community you feel is doing a great job of streaming. Andy was streaming last night, you can give it to him. I gave mine to JJ Amrod. It's a cool thing that Amazon's doing. This is your reminder. Uh, ways three and four, go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny or patreon.com slash games. Support us at the $2 above level, and that gets you an entry to win. Yeah, I've said that a couple times. Uh, today's giveaway is brought to you by Me Undies. before we get to the winner. You want to look good in your underwear and be comfortable, right? 
Sure, yeah. why not? But that perfect balance is hard to find. Don't sacrifice style or comfort. <laughs> Check out MeUndies.com and find the best pair of underwear in the world. Uh, MeUndies will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. Made from a sustainable sourced, naturally soft fabric that is three times more softer than cotton. Uh, for fellas, MeUndies diamond-shaped pouch cradles your jewels and gives your stuff the support it needs without feeling too tight. Tim can attest to this. I don't wear MeUndies because they will not give me free pairs. They keep shipping them to me. Tim keeps stealing them oh. and putting them on himself. He likes them very much. Well, uh, Apparently we're the same size. Uh, what was the terminology the they used here? The of underwear. Our pouch. Our pouch is the same size. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but right now they're running a great deal for anyone that wants to try it out. 100% satisfaction guarantee. They guarantee you will love your undies or your money back. Uh, let's see. This is a no-brainer. Try. Let's see. You get 20% off. Try. 20% off. Free shipping and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. What are you waiting for? To get your 20% off. Free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get the best softest underwear you will ever own. Go to MeUndies.com slash morning. That's MeUndies.com slash morning. This is a limited time offer. So what are you waiting for? Start wearing the best underwear of your life. It changed Tim's life. It'll change. Uh, it's time to let MeUndies change yours. Go to MeUndies.com slash morning right now. If you didn't hear that enough, I've said it 15 times. There you go. Today's winner of the giveaway wins. Pop-Up Pilgrims on PSVR. Congratulations to Dominic Higa from Kind of Funny Patreon. You have won a PSVR game. Hopefully you have PSVR. If you're not one of the fortunate few who do, uh, give that to someone who does in the community. There you go. All right, uh, this is, we're a little long on the show today, but I did want to give uh, the chat audience some opportunity to talk to you and to talk yeah, to yeah. me a little bit. Yeah. So we'll go into what we call the three and three, nice. where we will talk to you, we'll take a few questions from uh, the non-subscribers or the norms as I call them, and then uh, we will talk to the chosen few, the subs, mm -hmm. uh, give them a little extra time with us right now. Great. If you're asking to yourself, am I, am I creating a cast system within our chat, I am, and okay. I'm doing that purposely because okay. I like to pit people against each other for my own financial gain. <laughs> you should be in politics. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> With the amount of shit that I've said on camera, there's no way. Or maybe I could be president. No, you're the Who truthful knows? politician. Maybe I am the truthful politician. Maybe I'm the first politician on the planet that will admit he's horribly addicted to porn. How about that? <laughs> Cue up your questions, comments, guys. Let's let's ask some good questions here. Um, Fortunately, it's a cheaper habit today. Porn? Yeah. It's very cheap. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you Remember one thing. What it costs. Oh, I do. I, well, yeah. it costs more than just money. It costs your humility. You had to go and actually buy a porn movie <laughs> and admit to everyone in whatever store you were at that you were going to masturbate later that night. <laughs> and they knew exactly to, what category. Oh, God, it was the worst. <laughs> I know, they, yeah, yeah, they'd look at it and be like, wow. I mean, not that I know. I've just heard. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. do. I'm married. I don't yeah. think would, about anything other than my yeah. wife ever. That's not true. Everyone, <laughs> everyone who follows me knows that. Nick, giving the people they want. Where's Sao Fatal Bullet review? Oh, I mean, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that. I got to work on that. Uh, let's see. Mr. Yasmin 300 asks, Has Lauren seen the John Wick films? Are you familiar with these? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, typically I'm not into gratuitous violence, mm -hmm. but there's something kind of remarkable about the John Wick right? films. Yeah, in the last one where they did the, uh, what do they call it when everyone, you know, the street all of a sudden changes the the, the or, ARG type of thing, or he just like like goes like this and everyone stops. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was like cool that was so effect. freaky. Yeah, I was like, was dope. I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with the John Wick comic book, even though I go to the comic book shop every mm -hmm. week. Like I, I never got into it. And then, I didn't and even, know even in the first book. one, I didn't really realize it was like a Marvel universe of assassins, really. I right? didn't know that, yeah. But that's what it felt like, and that's yeah. what I really got in the second one. So it was so over the top, like Sherry hated it, but she loved Bloodpool. Interesting. And because uh, all the Hollywood inside jokes, right? You know? And which I don't have a clue. But <laughs> but uh, when John Wick, I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. But you know, here's here's the thing. When I look at like today with Hollywood and stuff. And this just goes to it. It's like, all the stars are out there complaining about guns, blah, 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 blah. And everyone is going to show up in their next movie on a poster promoting guns, right? 
It, the, the irony is staggering. How many film studios are, are committing to not showing guns in the next year in their pictures? No. It's no, not going to happen. It's zero. not going to happen, right? I, I, I often talk about this, too. I, I joke around a lot because we, uh, as a society in America, it's different in other countries, but yeah. in America, we love guns, yeah. but we hate sex. We do not want to show sex. You're yeah. not allowed to show... Violence is fine. Vi showing people dying is fine, but showing people yeah. making life is not... Is not cool. It's not kosher, right? You'll you'll see. There's no like full frontal nudity is a no no. Yeah. You can't show. You can't show a male penis. How fucking dare you? Yeah. Even yeah. though fifty percent of the people on the planet have one. Yeah. How dare you? I could look yeah. at my own right now. Yeah. But I'm not allowed to see that mirrored on screen. Yeah. However, I can see someone disemboweled by a fucking shotgun and yeah. be desensitized to or that. Have their face ripped open. Our in priorities. I'm not saying yeah. our priorities are a little out of whack. I'm just yeah. saying it, it. It makes you think. How we glorify something that one thing that takes away life and are, and shame ourselves for the thing that gives yeah. life. It's a bizarre thing. It's it? a weird thing. It really. But is. I do like it because it makes porn more special. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Someone had a good question. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, great question. Okay. okay. Last time you were on our show. Okay. Last time I spoke with you, yeah. you had some choice words about the Switch. Oh, yeah. Frog and Bullish eighty nine <laughs> says, Lauren, what are your thoughts on the Switch now? Has its success swayed your opinion on it? Uh, of course, you know, of course. I mean, you yeah. can't you can't argue with success, right? And you know, we're trying we're we're trying to work some stuff out to get there. And I think Fantastic. my argument of it was I I was blown away by the policies in place on the Wii U, mm -hmm. and I didn't see that those policies were going to change. Which meant if you're doing what we're doing, which is really pushing like PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, pushing that level of performance. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we're going to get on the Switch. And if we do, it's certainly not going to be a simultaneous release. Sure. And if the, and if the a day and day release, right? And, and if the policies of Wii U continued into Switch, then there's no point doing a conversion for the platform mm -hmm. unless you got a partner with a marketing budget. And what I found so sort of uh, archaic about the previous policies around Wii U is that, is that I didn't understand if we have a good game, mm -hmm. And our whole credibility is based on good games. And if you go on the mobile stores, we're four and a half stars across the thing. If you go on the, on the Metacritic, we're 80 plus on everything we've built, right? And I mean, it could fluctuate the week to week, you know. But, but, <clears throat> but the point being is we rely on that because we don't have marketing money. Mm -hmm. And so Google will feature us, Android will feature us, Microsoft will feature us, Sony will feature us, Steam will feature us, God Games will feature us. Any other outlet will get featured because we're bringing something to the audience, like Netflix will highlight a new movie, if it's a new movie for their users, mm -hmm. right? But when you have a completely dry store, and then you bring a content to it, and they won't expose it, then you're, you're dead on that platform, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the policy I was really opposed to, which I said gave me a little faith of switch. Has that policy changed in your it opinion? It looks like it's changed because the, the store is promoting stuff that uh, has ha been released previously on other platforms, and you would think maybe they were only doing that because it wasn't doing so well, but it is doing well, so it looks like policies are changing, so I'd love to see nothing more. And as I said on the last show, who doesn't want to see Nintendo win? I want to see him win. Right? I want to see him win. And I'm I was, Nintendo uh, fanboy so from was back in the day, of course. That. But hopefully well, that doesn't stand in the way. I'm glad, I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see the, the opinions are shifting more toward the positive. That's fantastic. Uh, oh, my God. Speaking of things that make me happy. Cool, Greg. Bring this up real quick. I want to see NSYNC would kill Backstreet Boys in a back alley. Just period. <laughs> Just end it there. NSYNC would kill Backstreet Boys. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Here's the deal. Aside, like In basketball, maybe. In a real fist fight, I think Backstreet Boys would beat the shit out of NSYNC, and it pains yeah. me to say that. But we yeah. got Joey Fatone here. He's yeah. a heavy hitter. He looks like he's lifting. I don't know 
if Lance Bass and, and Chris Kirkpatrick are really going to hold up their end of the bargain because yeah. the Backstreet Boys had some big had some big guns yeah. there. But we'll see. But um, like with baseball bats, I'm logging in to watch that. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> the back alley. Fuck yeah. I'll, how do I subscribe to that pay-per-view? I'll pay 60 bucks for that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. Lexi Gunner says, Nick, where do you rank Michael B. Jordan on the rags, uh, rags to Ag- abs podcast? You mean rank my abs podcast? Uh, I would say he ranks. I think I ranked him. I think he ranked at number three or four. There you go. We do a lot of stupid shit here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, 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 uh. We're in sub-only mode. Uh... Oh, this is a good question. York's in Portland says, does Lauren have a game made from a studio outside of the zone uh, that he is looking forward to in 2018? Do you get a lot of opportunities these days to sit down and play games? It's tough, man. Yeah, it's I tough, you know? What, I, thank God for YouTube and thank God for Twitch because right. when someone says you got to play this game, A, I'm just as susceptible to the next guy to getting addicted, but I don't have the time to get addicted. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the few times I'm able to actually get my hands on controls is when I need to feel someone else's achievement in controls, mm-hmm. right? Or I need to feel a pacing of something that's happening in the game and they're like, you need to feel this. Uh, the rest of the time I'm watching walkthroughs. And then I'll watch with... Uh, a female walkthrough, I'll watch a male walkthrough, I'll watch a younger walkthrough, and I'll watch an older person walkthrough on the same game. Mm-hmm. And that gives me like this whole different demographic than okay. I could have gotten by playing it by myself, right? So I, so YouTube allows me to see games faster without having to get <laughs> sucked into my own no, you're frailty not, of being addicted by these you're things. You're 100% not alone. And literally, like, I get to work at 9 to 10. And this is, you know, a lot of the crew uh, is in this, you know, here we are in, yeah. the, in the crunch. crunch. I get time. to work at 9 to 10, and I try to get home by midnight. That's every day. Wow. And that's how it goes. So no. Maybe in a little a bit you'll have some time, time to sit to carve out some time. We'll go for a couple yeah, rides, yeah. come back and uh, well, the thing is, you know, so you play get, games. Like I was saying, we depend on quality as a release, right? And there's only one way to get there when you're small and independent, which is you work harder. Yep. Do you work harder now than when you were at IGN? Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, the last year I worked at IGN, I went to Starbucks most of the time. I kind of phoned that in. Sorry, Fran, I love you. Sorry, Perry, I love you guys. Uh, we're a little long in the show, and I know you've got a lot of things to do, so thank you so much for joining me hey, today. Hey, thank you for I appreciate having it. me. It's always, always a pleasure. Awesome. we got to get you back on GOG so we can do a two-hour-long podcast with you, and we'll talk about We'll bring this Uber story up again. We'll Let's just go, do it. We'll Let's go do down it. the rabbit Let's hole. Let's do the dark future and see oh, what it looks like. It's going to be great. I'll probably be dead well before that. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. If you have questions, you can follow Lauren at uh, Lauren underscore Landing on Twitter. You can follow me at Nick underscore Scarpino. We are part of the uh, the the much acclaimed underscore club. Oh, and we launched a Kickstarter today. Oh, oh shit, uh, that's an important with, thing to say. With uh, with uh, Alex, Indie by Design. Indie by Design is a new book, the uh, Odd World Abe's Origins. That that's doing fantastic. Everybody, yeah, go so. over and check out that Kickstarter. Uh, is there is there? Do we have a link for that at all? Oddworld.com front page will take you to Kickstarter. If not, go to Kickstarter, search Oddworld. It'll be the first thing that comes up. Boom! Go out, check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, while you're doing that, uh, I will get prepared. While well, read subs, and then we'll get prepared for kind of funny games daily. Sorry, Greg Miller and the return of Danny O'Dwyer, or as I like to call him, the return of the Mac. There he goes. I just threw that out there because it popped into my head. Makes no sense. Makes no sense for an Irishman. Guys, I love you. Lauren, have a great week. Uh, Cool, Greg? Thank you. Cut the feed.